0: In each of our online worship platforms, let's study and grow together as Dr. Robert Scott, our pastor, takes us deeper into the work and be sure to stay tuned after study for more information on what's happening with St. Paul. To another uh, TNT, and we are certainly delighted and elated that the Lord has allowed for you to join us as we continue our study as far as the letter to the church at Philippi. Thank you for joining us on our various platforms, and we thank God for your presence. I want to start off today's uh, moment, as far as Bible study is concerned, with a word of prayer and then we will proceed as far as our teaching moment is concerned so let's go to the Lord in prayer God we come and we thank you as far as having the opportunity to study your word to learn your will to do things your way we pray right now God that by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit that you will be in our mist. Teach us your word, O oh God. Let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway so that we can become all that you would have for us to be. Show yourself mighty and strong, O oh God, and we will bless your name for that. It is in the name of your Son, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Today we want to look at Philippians chapter 2, we want to look at verses 1-11 through and this is a very rich, rich passage, Uh, probably one of the most quoted passages as far as the letter to the church at Philippi is concerned. It is definitely one that a lot of preachers love to go to as far as when we're talking about who Jesus is. It's very theological, it's very doctrinal. And I'm excited about uncovering and unpacking this for our moment. Let me just say that in the future, I want to be able to, and I'm gonna talk with um, Deb, I wanna be able to perhaps take questions if you have any questions as far as this teaching moment is concerned, um, and be able to answer whatever questions you may have. So we're gonna work on trying to integrate your questions as far as the teaching moment is concerned. So, let's go ahead, let's get started, uh, and let's uh, look forward to doing what I would call our dig work as far as the text is concerned. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, and it reads like this. uh, If there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, If any affection and mercy. I want you to underline consolation in Christ, comfort of love, fellowship of the Spirit, affection and mercy. Underline those phrases. Verse 2 Fulfill my joy by being like minded. I want you to highlight the word like minded, having the same love. Highlight same love, being of one accord. highlight one accord of one mind, highlight of one mind. Verse three. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Circle the words selfish ambition. and circle the word conceit. But in lowliness of mind, circle the word mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Highlight the phrase, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, circle the word interests, but also for the interests of others, circle the word interests. And if you would draw a line between those two words as far as interest is concerned. As we go down to verse 5, let this mind, circle the word mind, be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. If you would circle the word mind and then draw a line from the word mind in verse 5 to mind in verse 2. Verse 6, who, being in the form of God, underline the phrase being in the form of God. Did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, underlying the phrase to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Highlight that whole verse. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. If you would, highlight the phrase he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Then I want you to underline the phrase the death of the cross. Verse 9. Therefore God also has highly exalted him. Highlight the phrase God has also highly exalted him and has given him the name circle the word circle the word name which is above every name circle the word name that at the name of Jesus circle the word name every knee shall bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father if you would highlight verses 10 and 11 highlight verses 10 and Again, this is a very rich passage, very rich, rich, rich passage, and and basically, this passage of Philippians chapter two, verses one through eleven, is really centered around being concerned for others. You see words like humility. You see words like n- not only focus on your own interests but the interests of others. you, t- you see how. Jesus Christ is concerned about us so this, this passage is about being concerned for others so let's look at verse one in this passage and let's look at the um, A clause therefore if any therefore if there is any consolation in Christ Paul is dealing with how we as Christians or fellow believers ought to relate to one another. Now, at this particular time, Paul knows he's got to deal with a squabble between two sisters in the church at Philippi. So Paul is kind of taking this moment to lay some groundwork so that he can help them to focus on being a blessing to others. The common denominator in all of this is none other than Jesus Christ. The concept of consolation in Christ is really is, is there any comfort in Christ? And this word consolation here is the only place in the Bible where this word consolation is used. So Paul wants the Philippians to look at Jesus as they deal with their relationships toward each other. They would think about Jesus as they engage, in relationship with one another. Jesus gives comfort to all and they were to use Jesus as the example or the model. The reason we love each other in the church is because how Jesus loves us. and Therefore, we should be consoling or comforting one another. This is what life in the church, this is what life in Jesus is all about. So what we have in Jesus is really a model on how to be there for one another, just like Jesus is present for us. This means that as people in the church, we ought to treat each other right. Jesus loves us despite ourselves, and it should inspire us To love one another despite ourselves. Now understand that none of us deserves the love of God through Jesus Christ. And yet Jesus shows what it means to love the unlovable. And he kind of wants us to do the same. This is what agape love is all about. This is what it means to have the Holy Spirit in our life let's continue this flow as we move forward because when you look at verse 1, the B clause you will see how Paul shifts when he talks about if any comfort of love any fellowship of the spirit I want to focus on fellowship of the spirit because the only way that you and I can operate as far as comfort of love, the only way that you and I can do what we do is we got to have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not only the person of God, but it's also the power of God that is present in each and every confessing believer. Okay? Now, if you notice, Paul used this word if, but the word if is not conditional. The word if kind of means since. So if you substituted the word if for the word since as far as understanding is concerned, therefore since there's any consolation in Christ, since any comfort of love, since any fellowship of the Spirit, since any affection and mercy fulfill my joy. Now watch this. Paul knows the spiritual status of of the believers at Philippi. Paul knows they're saved. Paul knows they're sanctified. Paul knows that they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And since they have the Holy Spirit in their lives, they need to get along with each other. Now, how how does that work with us today? If we claim to be believers of God, by placing our faith and confidence in Jesus Christ that means we have the Holy Spirit which means that if we have the Holy Spirit then we ought to be able to get along with each other okay let me say it again we ought to be able to get along with each other all right now there are several things that the Holy Spirit does number one The Holy Spirit seals us. We are sealed till the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us, which means that the Holy Spirit is transforming our lives for the better. And then the Holy Spirit strengthens us by empowering us to do what we could not do in our own strength or in our own humanity. So we're able to handle things that other folks thought we could not handle. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is operating in our lives. Now, interestingly, if you have not noticed this shift, it might be that you're not spending enough time in fellowship with the Spirit through prayer, Bible reading, and Bible study, and personal devotion. The Spirit will govern your life if allowed to do so. I want to submit that the reason why some of us can't even get along in church even though we claim to be saved is because we don't spend enough time with God as far as the spirit is concerned. Because you can't have the spirit and then have issues with somebody else who has that same spirit. All right. I want to suggest that some of the issues as far as local churches are concerned is because people don't spend time with the spirit. I want to suggest that some of the issues that we face as far as the larger church body is concerned is because we really don't spend time with the spirit. The issue of racism, as far as the body of Christ is concerned, and even sexism, and even being judgmental, is because we don't spend time with the spirit. Because if we did, the Holy Spirit will cut through the fog as far as a lot of the things that we struggle with as far as our inability to get along with each other. Okay? So the Spirit is really the power of God and the person of God that holds us together. And the Spirit is ready to govern our lives if the Spirit is allowed to do so. So, fellowship of the spirit. Then we look at the C clause, affection and mercy. This is where Paul is talking about us having the inclination of compassion. Mercy deals with the outward expression of compassion. Affection deals with the inward expression of compassion. In other words... One is sympathy, the other is empathy. All right, one is sympathy, the other is empathy. Empathy basically is the ability to understand and appreciate where a person is. Sympathy is your capacity to show that you're empathetic. All right? So so Paul deals with all these areas that would empower the church to have a sense of joy. Paul was about to make some demands upon the Christians at Philippi because he knew they had the Holy Spirit, and he knew that because they had the Holy Spirit, they would be able to handle what he was going to bring to bear as far as his apostolic demands were concerned. All right so let's go to verse 2 because Paul says fulfill my joy by being light minded Paul had joy even in a prison cell and the reason that Paul had joy even in a prison cell was because of his relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul wanted the church to know there were some things they could do to make him even happier they need to behave the way that will please God and I think that one of the things that for us as pastors that brings us a sense of joy is when we see the disciples we preach to, we teach to, we serve with live a life that pleases God because it shows that they are growing I know that one of the things that brings me joy is when I see a person uh, making shifts as far as their lives are concerned to change for the better. Part, In fact, our purpose ultimately is to become like Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. We are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So what makes us sad is when we teach truth, Preach truth, live truth, but don't see people applying the principles of truth to their lives and they remain stagnant. In other words, sure, you can quote scripture. Sure, you pay your tithes and offerings. Sure, you can sing like a songbird and make the angels jealous. Sure, you attend virtual church. Sure, you serve as far as a ministry. But if you're not living the word, it means nothing. If you're not living the word, it means nothing. Okay? So, Paul wants us to understand that part of his joy was trying to help people to understand That they're called to live what God will have for them to live. Now let's look at this other thing. Uh, Being like-minded, having the same love, being on one accord of one mind. This is Paul saying, all right, you got to have harmony. You got to be together as far as life is concerned. Oh my God. Y'all have to excuse me. I'm going to stop Bible study just for a moment. Come here, Dr. Monica Redman. Wow. St. Paul, look who we got here. Look. 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 Y'all send hearts. Wave at the camera. Wave at the camera. They ain't seen you in a month of Sundays. Wow. Well, thank you. you no. No, your presence is a gift. Oh, your presence is a gift. You all have to excuse me. You all have to excuse me. Your presence is a gift. Wow. Wow. Oh. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. Oh, my God. Now, this is what brings me joy. I'm just talking about joy. And, and seeing Dr. Redman, wow. Wow. You are sight for sore eyes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wow. 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 It's been five months. Five months. Wow. 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 I'm kind of messed up now. You all have to. Yeah, I'm kind of messed up now. I, 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 see, I see why the church at Philippi was one of Paul's favorite, in fact, it was Paul's favorite church. Uh, it wasn't the biggest, it wasn't considered to be the most gifted, but they brought him joy because of the people. Brought him joy because of the people. And, and seeing uh, Dr. Monica Redmond, because I have not seen her in five months, this has brought me great joy. It has made me a happy preacher. Wow. So, so Paul is, is dealing with Paul is dealing with the issue of unity because unity will bring him joy. And, and Paul was aware of an issue that was causing friction in the church, particularly between Sentici and Eudea, which he's going to address later. Now I want you to understand friction leads to fraction. Fractions leads to factions, okay? So frictions leads to fractions, fractions leads to factions, all right? Because where there is friction, people get involved trying to get others on their side, which leads to fractions. And then when you get others on your side, it then leads to factions. You got this faction versus that faction. And so this is what Paul wants us to understand as we engage in our walk with Jesus Christ. Number one, like-minded. Gotta have shared beliefs. Gotta have the same mind. You can't be a harmonious congregation if you don't have the same beliefs. Okay? Every church should be built on the Word of God because when your beliefs are in sync, then your minds will be focused on the same thing, all right? So you got to have shared beliefs. But then you also got to look at this uh, medicine that Paul has given them, and that is the love of God, the same love, the same love. They need the love of God to exist in their hearts and to flow out of all the people who are part of the congregation. That becomes the medicine as far as the congregation is concerned. Shared beliefs, having the shared love of God, and then we got to understand that we are siblings. That's what it means to be on one accord. We're siblings. We're united as far as the Spirit is concerned. And when we're united as far as the Spirit is concerned, it's difficult to create friction. It's difficult to create friction which leads to fractions, which leads to factions. Okay? All right? We are sisters and brothers in Christ. All right? Now, but notice what happens. Let's look at verse 3, the A clause. Because Paul says, if you're not careful, if you're not careful, the enemy will cause you to do some things that will lead to friction, which leads to fractions, which leads to factions. Alright? Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Alright? Hold it right there. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Alright? When things are done out of strife, oftentimes it's made to make somebody it's done to make somebody look bad. Alright? Selfish ambition, you want to have the last word. Selfish ambition leads to pain. And it can cause bitterness to dwell in your heart and it can lead to disaster. So, how does friction lead to fractions that lead to factions? Here it is. You don't speak to people. You don't sit next to the person. If you got an issue with somebody, you try to turn others against the person you don't like. You speak ill of them. You gossip. You lie about them. And eventually there's a confrontation, be it verbally or physically or what I would call a non, I mean, a passive aggressive manner. God knows I hate passive aggressive folks. All right. So Paul knew this could happen at church. If you don't deal with conflict, if you don't nip some stuff in the bud, it it will cause the church to look bad. All right. So. Picking up on this theme, let nothing be done through selfish or conceit. You got to be careful when you do things to be seen and noticed by others for self-aggrandizement or your own personal uplift. Having pride, having a spirit of arrogance is dangerous because the Bible tells us pride comes before the fall. That's how the Pharisees used to act. I remember one time Jesus telling the story about a Pharisee and a sinner, and the Pharisee, they were in the temple, and the Pharisee was standing by the sinner, and the Pharisee said, "God, I want to thank you. I'm not like this sinner." Da 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 da. And the sinner said, "Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner." Who do you think God, um, God heard their prayer? He heard that sinner's prayer. Have mercy on me, a sinner. If you find yourself focusing on self and looking down on others, you're going down the path of haughtiness. If you're trying to get all that you can and using others to do it, it's being haughty. Because everything we have comes from God. God blessed us, God gave it to us, and God can take it away. So Paul is saying, hey, if you really want to make a shift, you've got to be humble. Notice what he says, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Paul talks about how we ought to care for one another. This is, and when you esteem others better than yourself, it is not a superiority versus inferiority complex. In other words, you ain't thinking that other folks are more gifted than you. You're not thinking that other people are more qualified than you. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is how you treat other people. It is dealing with them in a spirit of humility. Don't look down on others. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. Service is the way. Because humility leads to harmony. But Let me also say this. Humility does not necessarily mean you let people walk over you. Okay? Humility does meekness does not mean weakness. All right? So, we're called to serve one another. Could you imagine what would happen if in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ by people who have been saved by the blood of the lamb who have the holy spirit, if we tried to outserve each other? Could you imagine what that would look like? All right, so let's look at verse 4. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests. So Paul is saying be concerned about your own interests, but he also says be concerned about the interests of others. Be concerned about not only yourself, but be concerned about others. In other words, Paul is not saying let yourself go. Paul is not saying don't take care of yourself. Paul is not saying uh, don't deal with your own concerns and needs. But Paul is also saying as you deal with yourself, as you deal with your own concerns, be concerned about others as well. And when you do that, unity takes place. Because when a member of the family is hurting, the whole family feels the pain. When there's a need, believers ought to do what they can to help. And when we're concerned about others, then God is Okay. God is pleased. So, this first section that we just dealt with really talks about us coming together because each and every person that is part of the local church is humble. They're humble. All right? They're humble. Now, let's look at verses 5 through 7 because this is where I want to say the launching pad really takes place as far as this passage of scripture is concerned. Because notice, Paul says, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Paul is not saying, let this mind be in you, which is also in the Apostle Paul. So Paul is saying, I'm not the role model. Jesus is the role model. Jesus is the example. Jesus is the one to look to. All right? Now, watch this. It is hard to handle the business of Jesus and you ain't got the mind of Jesus. It is hard to do the work of Christ and you don't have the mind of Christ. Got to be careful of putting people in positions who don't have the mind of Christ. You don't need people in positions of leadership who do not have the mind of Christ you can't do the work of Christ if you don't have the mind of Christ because the mind of Christ was never selfish or self-centered let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus now watch this so Paul earlier said that we all got to be of the same mind Guess what that man is? Jesus Christ. (laughs) That man is Jesus Christ. Look at verse 6. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Now, 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 I want you to catch something here. Paul knows who Jesus is. Intimately. In other words... Paul is saying Jesus is God. And when he used the word form, he's not talking about the outward appearance of Jesus. He is talking about the very nature of Jesus, which is God. So when Paul said Jesus is in the form of God, he is not saying, hear me well, that Jesus is similar to God or that Jesus is like God He is saying Jesus is the very essence of God. He is saying Jesus is God. Now, now you got to to catch this because this is very important. And this this has doctrinal implications. Now, remember, I said if church is going to have unity, you got to know why you believe what you believe. You got to know why you flow the way that you flow. And part of our belief system and structure is knowing who Jesus is. Now, the interesting thing is that we live in a time where people say, I don't want all that doctor stuff. Just shout me. Just sing me happy. Reverend, preach a word. No. You got to know why you believe what you believe. Because your beliefs impacts your behavior. Watch this. Your doctrine influences your duty. No doctrine, no duty. No beliefs, no behavior. Crazy beliefs, guess what? Crazy behavior. So you gotta know why you believe what you believe. Doctrine is important. Paul is making a doctrinal statement. His doctrinal statement is, Jesus is not like God. Jesus is not as God. He is saying, Jesus is God. This is very important. Very important. Very important. In other words, he's saying Jesus is co-equal with God. Watch this. Verse 7. But made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant, and coming into the likeness of men. Now, 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 watch this. Although Jesus is God, Jesus did not seek reputation for himself. He takes on the form of a servant and he comes in the likeness of humanity. In other words, here's what Jesus did. Because Paul uses a word here when he talks about how he made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of humanity. This statement indicates that Jesus Christ became a human being. The words made himself literally means he emptied himself. Now, I I, I want you to hear me well because this is doctrine, but this is good doctrine. He emptied himself. The word in the Greek that is used here is where we get the word kenosis, K-E-N-O-S-I-S. He emptied himself, which means that he emptied himself not of his divinity, but he emptied himself of his own (laughs) self-interest. Teach Robert Charles Scott. He emptied himself of his own self-interest, not of his deity, not of his divinity, but of his own self-interest as God, watch this, did then submit himself to God the Father by taking on the form of a servant. Jesus did not give up his godness. He just wrapped his godness in human flesh. It, 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 I, I, I've shared this, this, this illustration And I love the way that my mentor, the late Reverend Dr. Samuel DeWitt Proctor puts it. He talks about the Hershey Kiss. He talks about how one time he went to the Hershey um, uh, Chocolate Factory in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And as he was walking by um, in in the assembly line where these little Hershey Kisses, these little silver bells come out. And he saw these big, huge vats of chocolate being stirred by these big propellers. And I mean, they were whipping that chocolate up, and at the end of the assembly line was coming out these little Hershey Kisses, those silver bells. And Dr. Proctor asked the tour guide, where did those chocolates, those Hershey Kisses come from? And the person told him, you remember when you uh, passed those big vats, V-A-T-S, of chocolate being stirred by those propellers? That's where these Hershey Kisses came from. The very same ingredient that were in those vats that you could not handle, you could not eat, you could not digest, if you jumped into it and you tried to absorb it, you would die because it would be too much for you to handle. That they come out at the end of the assembly line in the form of a Hershey Kiss. And Dr. Potter said, You mean tell me the same stuff substance that's in those vats or in these Hershey Kiss? Yep. The same ingredients? Yep. The, the, the same essence? Yep. And he said, light came on. He said, you know, that's what God did for us. God knew we could not handle God in God's full essence, so he sent Jesus in package form. Jesus is God's Hershey kiss to humanity. Jesus did not give up his godness. He just became flesh and hung out with humanity. Just like that Hershey kiss did not give up being a chocolate Hershey kiss. It was just wrapped in a silver bell, silver wrapping. So we can digest it. Ah. He made himself a no reputation, taking on the form of a bond servant, and coming in the likeness of humanity or in the likeness of men. Now, now watch it. Taking on the form of a servant. Jesus leaves glory, his heavenly position. And becomes a servant of God the Father. So Jesus was not part God and part man. Jesus was fully God and fully human, fully human, fully divine. He made the choice, it was his prerogative to come into a sin-sick world. It was his prerogative to cover his divinity with our humanity. Jesus made the choice to come and hang out with us. He made the choice to come and hang out with us. So let's look at verse 8. And being found in the of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross the humility of Jesus is mind blowing because Jesus who is God humbled himself before God and if Jesus humbled himself before God who is God then we need to do the same thing because Jesus basically in his humanity showed us how we ought to live as human beings that's why he's called the second Adam or the last Adam. Jesus was so focus on pleasing God. You cannot be effective in ministry without humbling yourself before God. Let me say that again. You cannot do this work of ministry if you're not willing to humble yourself before the Lord. Now, notice Jesus' primary purpose for becoming human. It was to die even the death of the cross. Let me say that again. Jesus was willing to do the will of the Father even to the point of death at Calvary. In other words I know this is going to mess somebody up. Somebody ain't going to like this. We have folks who try to dismiss the atoning substitutionary death of Jesus Christ but Jesus Came to die. He was born to die. That was the procedure. And it was a horrible death. That sea clause, even the death of the cross, it was a horrible death. This is why a lot of people have issues accepting Jesus as the Messiah because the cross is a stumbling block for a lot of Jews. Now, you got to understand that the crucifixion is the most horrendous, humiliating, excruciating form of execution or capital punishment in human history. Let me say that again. The crucifixion is the most humiliating, excruciating, horrendous form of capital punishment in human history. The cross, the crucifixion. And yet, the cross is now the symbol of our salvation. When you think about all that Jesus endured to make us right with God, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you think about all he went through to make you and me right with God, it ought to make you tremble. Yeah, he was bruised. Yes, he was beaten. Yes, he was despised. But when he died on that cross, that was the most important symbol for the believer. His death on the cross was the shedding of blood for our sins. We do not dismiss the birth of Jesus. Can't get rid of the virgin birth. Can't get rid of his incarnation. We talk about the birth. We talk about his ministry. We talk about the death. We talk about him being buried in a borrowed tomb. We talk about him being resurrected. And guess what? All of that stuff for God is easy. The incarnation for God was easy. The burial. Of Jesus, for God was easy. The resurrection of Jesus for God was easy, but the death of Jesus for God was hard, because God had to turn away from Jesus in order for Him to die. That's why Jesus quotes Psalm twenty-two: "Eli, Eli, lama Sabbathani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" God let him die. God did not stop death. And because of that, verse 9, therefore, in other words, because of that, because of the death of the cross, because he humbled himself to the point of what he went through in order to secure our rights to God, because of that, God has also highly exalted him and has given him a name that is above every name. So we cannot leave him on the cross or in the grave. He's ascended to God and he is exalted by God the Father before everybody. He is given a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of those in heaven, angels, archangels, cherubims, cherubims, the 24 elders, all of them are going to bow. And those on earth, every king and queen, every prince and princess, every pauper, every businessman, every man, woman, boy or girl, agnostic, believer, Atheists, everybody is going to bow and those under the earth. That means that those that are dead and even in hell shall bow down to who Jesus is. And they will confess whether they want to or not, He is Lord. The atheists one day will confess and this will be the atheist confession. I did not believe, but oh, my God. The agnostic will confess. You know, I have my doubts, but you are. We as believers, we've already confessed. That's why we'll be shouting on that day of coronation. But even Satan will confess. Because Satan knew who he was and still tried to do what he did. And Satan will have to say, you are Lord, and then the Lord will banish him to eternal separation. All people, all creatures, all living things will confess that Jesus is Lord. You know what Lord means? Ruler, sovereign ruler, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. And God the Father will smile. In other words, all people will recognize him, and this is the most powerful position in all of the universe, in all of creation. All the people will recognize him as Lord and God. As Lord and God. which is why this idea of Trinity is such a mystery and why we can't explain it thoroughly, we can only describe it. Because our finite minds cannot handle the infinitude of the divine that there are just certain things about God. Even this shows that there are certain things about God that regardless of what your IQ is, you can have a 200 IQ and you still won't be able to understand fully the Godhead. And yet, when those early church fathers were talking about the Godhead, And those early church fathers were talking about how God operates. That when Tertullian introduces the idea of Trinity, even though it's not mentioned in scripture. That it is not three different gods. That when we talk about God in three person, it is not person like we know it. because the day that Jesus was baptized God the Father came through like a bold speaker God the Holy Spirit descended as a dove God the Son is in the water being baptized God is present even in that those different arrangements and yet is one and how that happens I don't know I can't explain it all I can do is describe it because guess what if I can explain God then I can control God there are a lot of things in life we can explain but let me tell you when it comes to God the best thing we can do is describe and even our descriptions ultimately fall short and basically this is what Paul is hitting on right now yeah i'm just giving you a description but i will say that one day all of us going to bow all of us going to bow and we all are going to bow because of the name well that's my sharing for today I pray that it has been a blessing to you um, and we thank you for joining us next week we ask that you would pick up and start reading verse 12 and read through the rest of this chapter and we will pick up as far as uh, next week is concerned uh, at verse 12 of chapter 2. Well, as we cl- get ready to close out, um, again, it has been a wonderful joy being able to see Dr. Monica Redman in the flesh rather than reading a text message or talking to her on the phone. Um, I know what Paul meant when he talked about the joy and what a joy that has been. I want to invite you that um, to, uh, if you can, to give support To the ministry here at St. Paul, we continue to do the work of God here at St. Paul in very tangible and meaningful ways. Feeding the hungry, uh, being an advocate for those who need help and hope, um, doing mission and ministry as far as the community and the state and even the world is concerned, uh, and of course giving support to our physical infrastructure as far as making sure that we can operate with a sense of preparedness and, of course, making preparations to one day come back into our sanctuary. And I am so appreciative of your financial and spiritual support. If you want to give support, you can uh, call the church and bring your check, money, order, or cash, to the church, call the church if you want to drop it off, or you can mail your check or money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205. Or you can go to our website and follow the giving prompts there, or you can give through the app called Givelify as far as your smart device is concerned. If you have lost your job, if you don't have any significant income coming in, if you have been furloughed or laid off, uh, you just do not have any... Significant income coming in, I'm not expecting you to give. However, if you give out of your poverty, um, I I can tell you God will bless you. I'm not expecting for you to do that because I know the struggle is hard. But for those of us who do have some income that is coming in, this is where the strong is called to bear the infirmity of the weak. And so I'm asking for you to do that. Well, listen, let me close out in prayer. We hope and pray that you will join us on Sunday. Uh, at 9 or nine thirty, based upon whatever Sunday morning live class you have or at 4 o'clock for our teen and children as far as their Sunday morning live class and then all of us come together at ten thirty for our worship experience let's go to the Lord in prayer God we pray right now that you will seal this word that we realize that at the name of Jesus we all shall bow however we're not going to wait until that day bow we bow right now because of who he is and what he has done for us we know he has risen and ascended he is very much alive and we thank you god for what you did through your christ god i thank you for what you've allowed for me to see and dr redmond and i know those that are watching were clapping as well god continue to allow for this church this people To be like the church at Philippi. To have that joy, to have that unity, to have that humility, to serve your people, to be a blessing. We say we love you, and we love one another. Help us to continue to have that spirit that allows for us to have the same mind, the same love, and the same unity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.